I'm Allison Van Hooser, and I'm on a sold-out mission to develop highly successful leaders at all levels. In the 15 years I've been working throughout the food, financial, retail industries, and politics, I have become deeply aware of the powerful effects of leadership. In each episode, you will get strategies and actions you can use immediately in order to change you, your team, and your business. The question is, will you choose to own it? Will you put your stake in the ground and decide to do something with what you've learned today? This is Stake, the Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, this is part two of our series on leadership and remote employees. If you listen to part one, then you know I've got Phil Vanhooser with me. He is my business partner and father-in-law. We are a leadership development company together named Van Hooser Associates. We work with leaders across the country from frontline supervisors to CEOs to help develop them as leaders. And we're talking about the challenge that is here. It is not one of the future. We're talking about the challenge of leading, best leading remote employees. Today, one of my favorite things to do is to give you all practical, actionable tools to help you in your own leadership journey and Phil has created a tool that you're going to be able to use today to help you manage performance with remote employees but also with your in-office employees. Right. Phil, um, do you want to do a little bit of a recap on what we talked about on our last episode? Sure. Uh, in our last episode, generally speaking, we were talking about the initial stages of uh, dealing with your request to work mobily or remotely, and some of the challenges that I, number one, as a manager or supervisor, number two, as a baby boomer who learned things a little bit differently, some of the the challenges I had to work through to be able to get to that. One of the things that I stressed, I remember stressing in our last conversation, was how important it was for me that we would be able to maintain the synergy, the conversation and the personal growth. And I'm, I'm literally saying what you learned from us, but also what I was able to learn from you. Right. How can we maintain that? And I'm always performance focused. Uh, how can we make sure that we meet our commitments both to our clients and also to one another? So how can I go about making sure that, um, that, the projects and the deadlines that we've established are going to be met and it doesn't stress me out and I don't have to micromanage you by calling you every 15 minutes to say, so tell me again where we are on on that project. So when we were talking about doing this, we talked about different tools that we might be able to either have available or develop. One of the things that we've talked about was what I call the critical incident file. I'm, I'm going to tie, it, tie the critical incident file with another tool that I use that is basically just a time management and project management tool. And let me start by describing that. If, if, is that okay? Sure, yeah. First of all, um, in most environments, especially where people are working uh, together in the same uh, workspace, it's not at all unusual for a manager, I'll call that me right now, to call a subordinate, we'll say that that's you right now, into my office and say, Allison, come in here for a minute. i got a project I want you to, to take on. That's not unusual. It happens every day. It also needs to happen remotely, you know, because we still have to meet obligations. Um, more often than not, if you go back to the traditional way that that unfolds, 
that quote-unquote baby boomer manager would come in and tell you what they need to do, what you need to do, and how you need to do it to some degree, and when it needs to be completed. You know, the what, the when, the how. The what, the how, the when, if you will. Um, that's, that's pretty traditional. Well, years ago, I developed a technique, and I realized that when you're forcing people, even though it may not be in a, in a heavy-handed sort of way, when you're forcing people to work their calendar or their schedule around yours, it's going to bring a certain amount of stress and maybe even a certain amount of pushback. For example, if I bring you in and say, Allison, I've got this project. When you start working on it, I want it done by a week from Thursday. I don't ask what other projects you're working on. Mm. I don't ask what other things you have in process at that moment. And so it's very possible that you get frustrated, maybe even angry, maybe even resentful, simply because I don't build that into the process. So several years ago, I sort of adapted that process this way. Allison, I got this project I need for you to work on. Let me explain to you why it's so important. In other words, talking about the project, not just to do it, but the why of it. So here's the why of it. Here's, here's the, the importance to the organization, and this is why I'm assigning it to you. But then I ask a very simple question. I say, Allison, you understand the importance of the program, of this project now, based on what I've explained. Um, when do you think you could realistically complete this project? Now, that is a very subtle question, but it's a very important question, I think. Instead of me telling you when the project is to be completed and making that assignment out of hand, I simply ask you to participate by telling me when do you think you can get it done. Now, with that question, the assumption is you're going to process all the other projects you've got going on, the other deadlines that are upcoming for you, et cetera, that I may or may not be aware of. Even if I have assigned them previously, right. I may have forgotten about that, right. right? So now starts, at this stage in the process, now starts the period of negotiation. So you say, well, Phil, I've got two other projects that are upcoming that I need to finish in the next three weeks. Um, I understand how important this new project is to you. Um, I believe we could have it done by January the 15th. Okay, now stop right here for a second. That's an arbitrary number. You picked it up. I had not really thought about January 15th. But in my head, I had a pretty good idea of when I needed to have this project done. So let's assume for a second January 15th is fine. So what am I going to say? When you say, Phil, I really think I can get this thing done by January 15th. I'm going to say January 15th works really, really well for our schedule. Let's write it down. Commit to January 15th. Good. We're, we're there. Now, if by chance January 15th, for whatever reason, doesn't work for me, I'm not going to fly off the handle. I'm going to simply say to Allison, Allison, January 15th is a little far out for me. I really need was hoping somewhere around the first of the year. Well, you may then say, counter with, well, Phil, these other two projects are coming up about that same time, you tell me which one is the greater priority. In other words, a negotiation starts of sorts. And it's very fair. It's very fair for you, for the person that is being uh, delegated to, if you will, to have that opportunity to um, discuss these other things as well. The reality of it is, if this kind of discussion is open-ended and we, we go on, we'll find a day that works. Maybe it's January 15th, maybe it's January the 8th, maybe it's January the 1st, but we're going to agree upon something. And once we agree upon it, we're going to commit to it. But remember, I want to stress, this part of it has been negotiated. 
Now I'm going to do something that is not negotiated. Never is. Human nature says that if you know a project and I know how you work and you're not a slacker by any stretch of the imagination, but you're still human. If you know that a project is due January 15th, let's say, the chances are pretty good that you'll put off or push back a start on that date until closer to the due date because you got these other things that are in the foremost of your mind. Unless, of course, we have a project report. So here's the part that is not negotiated. We've now negotiated January 15th completion date, but I'm going to simply say to Allison, Allison, great. January 15th is great, but I would like to see what progress you've made on this. So this is not a negotiated date. So on December the 15th, I, I'm going to go ahead and commit this to my calendar right now. What, 8 o'clock work for you on December the 15th? 8 a.m. December the 15th, I'd like for you to come in and give me a full reporting of what you've done on this project up to that point. Not negotiated. January 15th was negotiated. The, pro, the, the update, the project report date, is not negotiated. This means that you've got to start. Right. So let me just summarize that for you all. All good stuff, four steps when it comes to assigning a project or setting out performance expectations. So step number one is why. Why is this project important? Why does it need to be accomplished? Step number two is you ask the question of your employee, and that's really important. You're asking them, when can you realistically complete this project? Number three is the negotiation period. They're going to tell you a date when they can, and if you need it to be sooner, then you'll go through that process and come to an agreement. And finally, maybe most importantly, you're going to schedule a follow-up right. conversation to talk about where they are in the process of completing the project. Four steps, really easy. Right. All That's something everybody can do. It's going to elevate your leadership. It's just making the commitment to following through with the four steps. Well, there's one other thing to it. It's the four steps are perfectly outlined by you just now. But the one thing that I have found, and most people who have not used this technique, meaning the project report part of it, will simply not know this to be true. Now, I'm about to give you a statistic that is my experience. I can't okay. say this would be everybody's experience. But in using this over the years, it's been my experience that about 75 to 85% of the time, in other words, a significant amount of time, when that person shows up for that uh, December 15th report date, mm -hmm. project report date, and I say, so Allison, how are you coming on that project? About 75 to 85% of the time, the person says, well, I think I'm almost finished. Now remember, the due date is still a month out. Right. But because it's here's the here's the concept. It's not hard finishing a project once we get started on the project. The hard part is to start it in the first place. But once you spend an hour or two developing something, working on something, you look at the project and go, well, I might as well just stay with this right. and see if I can knock this thing out so I don't have to worry about it later on. That's what we do psychologically. So the simple fact of giving somebody a project report immediately increases the productivity, the time management, all these other very positives, 75 to 85% of the time. So in other words, you come in and you go, well, Phil, I think I've got it done. I'm going to say, really? You go, yeah. And I said, well, show me what you got. And so you show. And so I say, oh, I really like that. Yeah, you're good. Try to check that off. You're not, no, no, no. You need to do a little bit more on that. Okay, fine. So it's a little fine tuning, but we're still far 
down the road to completion and probably well before the scheduled completion date. Remember, managers know time is money. If we finish early, that means we're saving some money or making some money. Now, remember, 75% 75 to 85% of the time. There's about 10% of the time, let's say, where maybe 10 to 15, a lesser amount where they come in and go, okay, Allison, tell me what you've done. Well, Phil, I've started it, but I'm at a, I'm at a dead end here. I don't know what to do next. Okay, we still have a month to be able to talk right. about and reevaluate and refocus on what's the next steps before we finish this project on time. Okay, so we're good with that. But here's the, the last one. Let's say this happens 5 to 10% of the time. And it especially will happen 5 to 10% of the time the first time you use this technique. If this has never been used on a subordinate before, in other words, I've never done this to you before, you can expect 5 to 10% of the time this to happen. Allison, December the 15th, I'm glad you're here. What have you done on the project? And you look at me and you say, nothing, I didn't get to it. Now, this is not good. Right. Because now my faith and and confidence is shaken because we've waited, let's say, two or three or four weeks to get to this project report. Now we've only got three or four weeks to go until it's due. And now you're telling me you have done nothing on it. Now, I could get very upset. You know, I could cuss and rant and rave and throw a fit and holler. and But what good is that going to do? Right. What I'm going to say to you is, Allison, I'm disappointed. I thought we agreed that today would be a progress report, but since you have not given me a progress report, now my faith is shaken on the completion date. So, Allison, here's what we're going to do. A week from today, I want a full, I want a full reporting of what you've done. Specifically, I want you to include having called all the vendors and having the outline, you know, whatever. I'm going to give you assignments now that will assure that we'll move directly toward completing this project successfully on time. But I'm going to make you now report to me as opposed to asking you to report to me. And that, that process, by the way, once you do that once, especially if you have that unpleasant, uncomfortable conversation, chances are you're not going to have to do it right. again because the employee will know the next time right. that they need to be better prepared for the project report. I have found this to work exceptionally well in terms of project management. But then that brings us to the other tool that we've talked about, that we were going to talk about, relative to remote workers, and that's what I call the critical incident file. A critical critical incident file is really, really simple, and I'll even talk you through it. You can do it with a one-page, one-sheet of paper. You need to do it for every employee. It's not for select employees because that can be seen as being biased or prejudicial. So if you got one employee, one one of these. If you got three employees, three of these. You got fifteen employees, fifteen of these. Right. Now I will tell you that I found after you get used to doing it the first time or two, and this will be done on a weekly basis. After it's done the first week or two, then it takes about five to six or seven minutes per employee per week. So you can sort of you know, schedule your time accordingly. But here's what you're going to do. You're just going to simply ask yourself this question. You can do it on the Monday of the week. You can do it on the Wednesday of the week. You can do it Friday of the week. Do it whenever you want. But I would suggest whatever day you pick, you do that consistently from that point forward. So there's always a week between these critical incident file evaluations. So you take out your sheet of paper, and you can have it in a form, or you can just do it literally by pencil or pen. 
But you take out this, this uh, sheet of paper and it has two questions on it. For the week of November 17th, the week of what did Allison do that was above expectation followed by what did Allison do that was beneath or below or behind expectation? Now you gotta be very, very candid. You're not judging this over the last month or last six months, one week period. In the last seven days or five day work uh, week, what did Allison do? Well, Allison finished that project before schedule. That was before expectation or above expectation. She finished it three days before I expected her to. That's a check. I'm going to make a note of that. Um, what else did Allison do? Well, I know I got a telephone call from a client that Allison is being communicating with regularly. In fact, this is a difficult client. And the client was bragging on how she, Allison had stayed on top of this project. Well, that's above expectation. I want to make sure I capture that. Uh, what else did she do? Well, she came to me with a, she took the initiative to suggest an idea for third quarter of this year. Well, that's good. I hadn't even thought about that. So in other words, I'm just going to take five to seven minutes to think about what did Allison do that impressed me. But then I'm going to say, after I've listed those, then I'm going to say, and what did Allison do this past week that disappointed me, that was not up to what I expected? Well, you know, she seemed to be a little out of sorts on this particular day when I asked her something and she was a little short. I don't know why that was. But that was not what I would expect in terms of working remotely or in, in the physical presence. So I'm going to make a note of that. What else did she do? Well, um, she, was, she, was, she didn't even check in. We have a Wednesday morning check-in. She didn't check in at all on Wednesday and didn't give us a reason for not. I was expecting her to do that. That, that concerns me. I wonder if she's kind of blown us off, you know, whatever. So I'm going to list those things. Again, I'm not thinking about the last six weeks or six months. I'm thinking about one particular week. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it's taken a little bit of time to explain that, but here's the other thing, and then I'll sort of let you ask any questions that you may have that go with that. Once I have these on paper, I'm going to ask myself a question. Now, what I'd asked before was, what did I observe or what have I been concerned about about uh, that she's done better than expectation, less than expectation for that one-week period? But then I'm going to ask myself, have I talked to her about each of these things? Mm -hmm. Here's where the ongoing communication that we talked about in our last issue, planning communication, making sure we're communicating with our remote employees as much, probably in some ways, as you said the last time, even more so than we are the people that are, in, that are on, on site. So I'm going to say, have Allison and I talked about this? So I'm going to either have a conversation or that once a week when you come face-to-face, -face, uh, come on in, Allison, I want to sit down, I want to talk about the last week's performance. So I'm going to say, Allison, I don't know if I told you how much I appreciated the work you did with the client. They called me and told me they loved it. I want you to know how much I appreciate the work that you got done, that you did to make sure you finished that earlier project three days earlier. So I'm going to literally touch base, touch, touch points on these things that were my observations. But I'm also going to say, but Allison, I'm a little concerned about, right. then I'm going to cover these two or three. or th You may not even have anything in that list one week. You may have five things in that list another week. But, that, but those are the things I'm going to do with the, what I call the critical incident file. Critical because they exceeded expectations. Critical because they did not exceed expectations. If it's just what I expected, 
I'm not going to spend as much time worrying about that. It's the things that are the highs and the lows that I want to call attention to. Right. So a few thoughts just as you're going through that. Number one, you just answered. What happens when they're just doing their job? Which some of us would pray, are praying for people who would just do their yeah, job. Absolutely. absolutely. So if there are weeks where there's nothing really great or nothing below expectations, then is there nothing in the file for that week? Or do you just make a note like on... I make a note that no, no, nothing out of the ordinary uh, witness. But I will tell you this, for that employee that is the solid performer, but not necessarily the superstar that doesn't do a lot, of the, a lot more, but they always do what's expected of them, I'm going to periodically tell them, hey, Alice, I want you to know I appreciate so much Absolutely. your consistency, your being able to count on you, the, the fact that I know you got whatever you're going to, whatever you got going on will get done and get done right. well. So I'm not going to not mention that, but it's just that I'm not going to make that a highlight of that particular week. So yeah, there's going to be weeks where people perform better or worse or just on the average. So it's not that it's to be forced but right. we need to capture those things that are witnessed, observable, things that we're thinking about. And I think it's especially important when that person is working remotely. And, uh, you know, your imagination can fill in a lot of blanks. If I wonder about what's going on with Allison, all of a sudden my imagination yeah. can create a, a, a narrative, a story that's not legit. I want to make sure that we have these ongoing conversations so that I don't have to worry about them, that you know what I'm thinking about, I know what you're thinking about, you know that I'm recognizing good behavior, you know that I'm not ignoring bad behavior. You know, So all of these things are, are literally communicated about in real time. Right. So this has just given me so many good different thoughts that I want you all, the listeners as leaders, to think about. There's a statistic, and I can't cite the source right now because I don't want to do it incorrectly, so I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes, but it said that 66% of Gen Z, your employees who are 24 years and younger, if they don't receive feedback every few weeks, then they're they're going to start looking either within your company or outside of your company for a job, for a leader who is going to get consistent feedback. A leader doing that critical incident file every week is not micromanaging if you have a conversation with your people every week they are going to eat that up yeah that's going to create a more engaged employee and i'll even go so far as to say this allison even though we may respond differently you said the gen the millennials the gen x maybe the gen zers or 66 or whatever percentage you said are hungry for that feedback i would argue my generation baby boomers were hungry for it as well great point but if we didn't get it we may not have responded the same way. Good point. For a, gen, for a baby boomer, we didn't get it. Well, that's just the way it is. I'm just going to have to learn to live with it. Well, with a Gen Xer, maybe a Gen, a gen Y or millennial or whoever, whatever will follow, they go, I don't have to live there. There's other opportunities for me. So understand the, the need is the same. It's the behavior or the response to that unsatisfied need that may be different. So I don't think it's going to hurt anybody to get more feedback. Perfect point. Two other thoughts. So when it comes to, if that's a weekly performance evaluation that you're doing for your people, when it comes to the six-month evaluation or the annual evaluation, all of a sudden you have all of this documentation that's going to help you when it comes there. You're not trying to remember what happened or situations. You've got it documented. And, you know, you and I have talked about this on different occasions. 
when you're performing a, a six-month evaluation or an annual evaluation is worse. If you don't have this kind of captured information, what happens is you end up having an annual evaluation that covers the last six weeks or last month. Uh, yeah. Because we can't think back that far. And the, the savvy employees, especially the employee that's trying to get by with something, simply cleans up their act for the last two or three or four months, for two or three or four weeks of the year, knowing full well. You can't remember everything, all the bad stuff they didn't do. But when you have this, re- this report, you can go, hey, over the last month, excuse me, over the last six months or over the last 12 months, this is, these are some of the things we've talked about consistently. There may only be some things we only talk about one time. We don't even have to talk about them anymore, but there are some things that consistently show themselves. Those certainly are going to make their way to the annual evaluation as well. Absolutely. Great point. One final thought that I had on that. As you were talking about doing this for your employees, I couldn't help but think doing one for yourself as a leader. So in thinking about how you're leading your employees, did I go above their expectation this week or did I not even meet their expectation this week. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? And that's an accountability measure for yourself to rise to the occasion and become the great leader that you want to be and keep tabs on yourself. How are you performing, good or bad? So I like this tool for employees, but I also like it as a personal tool. I think that's a great for that 10%, uh, the experts who are trying to elevate their game, trying to do the things that other people could have done, probably should have done, but haven't done or won't do. So I think that's a great a a great um, application of this concept, but from a personal standpoint. Right. So let's just wrap things up today. We call this podcast Stake, the Leadership Podcast, because we want to give you all tools where you can put your stake in the ground and be better going forward. So we talked about two big things today. We talked about the process of lining out expectations for employees, the four steps, the why, the when, the negotiation, and the follow-up. And then we talked about the critical incident file that you can use on a weekly basis, both for your employees and then even for yourself in your own leadership journey. So my question to you today is, what are you going to do with what you've learned? Are you going to access the critical incident file that I have put in the show notes? And are you going to implement that for your employees, for yourself? It is my hope that you absolutely do. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For the links to everything mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. And if you'd like more practical, tactical leadership development content, go to www.vanhooser.com for my weekly blog and all the links to my social media channels. If it makes sense to start improving the leadership skills of your managers and supervisors, let's talk about training options for your team. Email me at allison at vanhooser.com.